Chapter Thirty Eight of the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Chapter Thirty Eight The Coat of Arms. A Skilled Superintendent. Unpleasant Glory. A Tearful Subject. Making them pins was a distressed, tough job, and so was the saw, and Jim allowed the inscription was going to be the toughest of all. That's the one which the prisoner has to scrabble on the wall. But he had to have it. Tom said he'd got to. There weren't no case of a state prisoner not scribbled in his inscription to leave behind, and his coat of arms. Look at Lady Jane Grey, he says. Look at Guilford Dudley. Look at Northumberland. Why, Huck, suppose it is considerable trouble. What are you going to do? How are you going to get around it? Jim's got to do his inscription and coat of arms. They all do. Jim says, Why, Marsh Tom, I ain't got no coat of arms. I ain't got nothing but this shia old shirt. And you knows I got to keep the journal on that. Oh, you don't understand, Jim. A coat of arms is very different. Well, I says, Jim's right anyway, when he says he ain't got no coat of arms, because he ain't. I reckon I know that, Tom says. But you bet he'll have one before he goes out of this, because he's going out right, and there ain't going to be no flaws in his record. So whilst me and Jim filed away at the pens, on the brickbat apiece, Jim a making his in out of the brass, and I making mine out of the spoon. Tom set to work to think out the coat of arms. By and by, he said he struck so many good ones he didn't hardly know which to take, but there was one which he reckoned he'd decide on. He says, On the scrunchion, we'll have a band or in the dexter base, a saltier murray in the fest with a dog couchant for common charge and under his foot a chain embattled for slavery with a chevron vert in a cheek engraved and three invected lines on a field azure with the nombril points ramped on a dancet indented crest a runaway nigger stable with his bundle over his shoulder on a bar sinister and a couple of ghouls for support which is you and me, motto, Magori frete minore otto. Got it out of a book. It means more haste, the less speed. Gee willikins, I said. But what does the rest of it mean? We ain't got no time to bother over that, he says. We got to dig in like I'll get out. Well, anyway, I says, what's some of it? What's a fess? A fess? A fess is... You don't need to know what a fess is. I'll show him how to make it when he gets to it. Shucks, Tom, I says. I think you might tell a person. What's a bar sinister? Oh, I don't know. But he's got to have it. All the nobility does. That was just his way. If it didn't suit him to explain a thing to you, he wouldn't do it. You might pump at him a week. It wouldn't make no difference. 
he got all that coat of arms business fixed, so now he started in to finish up the rest of that part of the work, which was to plan out a mournful inscription, said Jim got to have one, like they all done. He made up a lot, and wrote them out on a paper, and read them off so. One, here a captive heart busted. Two, here a poor prisoner, forsook by the world and friends, fretted his sorrowful life. Three, here a lonely heart broke, and a worn spirit went to its rest after thirty-seven years of solitary captivity. Four, here, homeless and friendless, after thirty-seven years of bitter captivity, perished a noble stranger, natural son of Louis the Fourteenth. Tom's voice trembled whilst he was reading them, and he most broke down. When he got done, he could in no way make up his mind which one for Jim to scrabble on to the wall. They was all so good, but at last he allowed he would let him scrabble them all on. Jim said it would take him a year to scrabble such a lot of truck onto the logs with a nail, and he didn't know how to make letters, besides. But Tom said he would block em out for him, and then he wouldn't have nothing to do but just follow the lines. Then pretty soon, he says, Come to think, the logs ain't a gonna do. They don't have log walls in a dungeon. We got to dig the inscriptions into a rock. We'll fetch rock. Jim said the rock was worse than the logs. He said it would take him such a pissin' long time to dig them into a rock he wouldn't ever get out. But Tom said he would let me help him do it. Then he took a look to see how me and Jim was getting along with the pans. It was most pescatitious hard work and slow, and didn't give my hands no show to get well of the sores, and we didn't seem to make no headway hardly. So Tom says, I know how to fix it. We got to have a rock for the coat of arms and mournful inscriptions, and we can kill two birds with that same rock. There's a gaudy big grindstone down at the mill, and we'll smooch it and carve the things on it and file the pens and the saw on it, too. It weren't no slouch of an idea, and it weren't no slouch of a grindstone, nother, but we allowed we'd tackle it. It weren't quite midnight yet, so we cleared out for the mill leaving Jim at work. We smooched the grindstone and set out to roll her home, but it was a most nation-tough job. Sometimes do what we could, we couldn't keep her from falling over, and she come mighty near mashing us every time. Tom said she was going to get one of us sure before we got through. We got her halfway, and then we was plump played out and most drowned with sweat. We see it weren't no use. We got to go and fetch Jim. So he raised up his bed and slid the chain off of the bed leg and wrapped it around and round his neck, and we called out through our hole and down there, and Jim and me laid into that grindstone and walked her along like nothing, and Tom superintended. He could have out-superintended any boy I ever see. He knowed how to do everything. Our hole was pretty big, but it weren't big enough to get the grindstone through. But Jim, he took the pick and soon made it big enough. 
Then Tom marked out them things on it with a nail, and set Jim to work on em with the nail for a chisel, and an iron bolt for the rubbage, and the lean-to for a hammer, and told him to work till the rest of his candle quit on em, and then he could go to bed, and hide the grindstone under his straw tick, and sleep on it. Then we helped him fix his chain back on the bed-leg, and was ready for better selves. But Tom thought of something and says, You got any spiders in there, Jim? No, sir. Thanks to goodness I hain't, Marsh Tom. All right. We'll get you some. But bless you, honey, I don't want none. I have feared on them. I just soon have rattlesnakes around. Tom thought a minute or two and says, It's a good idea, and I reckon it's been done. It must have been done. It stands to reason. Yes, it's a prime good idea. Where could you keep it? Keep what, Marsh Tom? Why, a rattlesnake? To goodness gracious alive, Marsh Tom. Why, if there was a rattlesnake to come in here, I'd take and bust right out through that log wall I would with my head. Why, Jim, you wouldn't be afraid of it after a little. You could tame it. Tame it? Yes, easy enough. Every animal is grateful for kindness and petting, and they wouldn't think of hurting a person that pants them. Any book will tell you that. You try, that's all I ask. You just try for two or three days. Why, you can get him so in a little while that he'll love you and sleep with you and won't stay away from you a minute and will let you wrap him round your neck and put his head in your mouth. Please, Marsh Tom, don't talk so. I can't stand it. He let me shove his head in my mouth for a favor, ain't it? I lay he'd wait a powerful long time for I asked him. And Ma and Dad, I don't want him to sleep with me. Jim, don't act so foolish. A prisoner's got to have some kind of a dumb pet. And if a rattlesnake ain't ever been tried, why, there's more glory to be gained in your being the first ever tried than any other way you could ever think of to save your life. Why, Marsh Tom, I don't want no such glory. Snake take and bite Jim's chin off, then was the glory. No, sir, I don't want no sich doings. Blame it. Can't you try? I only want you to try. You needn't keep it up if it don't work. But the trouble all done if the snake bite me while I was a-trying him. Marsh Tom, I was willing to tackle most anything. That ain't unreasonable, but if ye and Huck fetches a rattlesnake in here for me to tame, I was going to leave. That's show. Well, then, let it go, let it go, if you're so bullheaded about it. We can get you some garter snakes, and you can tie some buttons on their tails, and let on their rattlesnakes, and I reckon that'll have to do. I can stand them, Marsh Tom, but blame if I couldn't get along without em, I tell you that. I never knowed before twas so much bother and trouble to be a prisoner. Well, it always is when it's done right. You got any rats round here? No, sir, I ain't seen none. Well, we'll get you some rats. Why, Marsh Tom, I don't want no rats. Days to damn blamedest creatures to disturb a body and rustle over round em, and bite his feet when he's trying to sleep I ever see. No, sir, give me guillotta snakes, if I's got to have em. But don't give me no rats. I ain't got no use for em, scarcely. But, 
Jim, you got to have them. They all do. So don't make no more fuss about it. Prisoners ain't ever without rats. There ain't no instance of it. And they train them and pet them and learn them tricks. And they get to be as sociable as flies. But you gotta play music to them. You got anything to play music on? I ain't got nothing but a coarse comb and a piece of paper and a juice hop. But I reckon they wouldn't take no stock in a juice hop. Yes, they would. They don't care what kind of music tis. A juice harp's plenty good enough for a rat. All animals like music. In a prison, they dote on it. Especially painful music. And you can't get no other kind out of a juice harp. It always interests them. They come out to see what's the matter with you. Yes, you're all right. You're fixed very well. You want to set on your bed nights before you go to sleep. And early in the mornings and play your juice harp. Play the last link is broken. That's the thing that'll scoop up a rat quicker than anything else. And when you play it about two minutes, you'll see all the rats and the snakes and spiders and things begin to feel worried about you and come. And they'll just fairly swarm over to you and have a noble good time. Yes, they will, I reckon, Mars Tom, but... What kind of time is Jim having? Blessed if I can see the pint, but I'd do it if I got to. I reckon I better keep the animals satisfied and not have no trouble in the house. Tom waited to think it over and see if there wasn't nothing else, and pretty soon he says, Oh, there's one thing I forgot. Could you raise a flower here, do you reckon? I don't know, but maybe I could, Mars Tom, but it's a tolerable dock in here, and I ain't got no use for no flower, no how, and she'd be a powerful sight of trouble. Well, you try it anyway. Some other prisoners have done it. One or them big cattail-looking mullen stalks would grow in here, Mars Tom, I reckon, but she wouldn't be worth half the trouble she'd cost. Don't you believe it? We'll fetch you a little one and you plant it in the corner over there and raise it. And don't call it Mullen, call it Pachoila. That's the right name when it's in a prison. And you want to water it with your tears. Why, well, I got plenty of spring water, Marsh Tom. You don't want spring water. You want to water it with your tears. It's the way they always do. Why, Marsh Tom, I'll lay I can raise one of them Mullen stalks twice to wid with spring water. Whilst another man's a-startin' one with tears. That ain't the idea. You've got to do it with tears. She'll die on my hands, Marsh Tom. She surely will. Case I don't scarcely ever cry. So Tom was stumped, but he studied it over. And then said Jim would have to worry along the best he could with an onion. He promised he would go to the nigger cabins and drop one private in Jim's coffee pot in the morning. Jim said he would jizz as soon have tobacco in his coffee, and found so much fault with it, and with the work and bother of raising the mullen, and Jews harping the rats, and petting and fettering up the snakes and spiders and things, on top of all the other work he had to do on pans, and inscriptions, and journals and things, which made it more trouble and worry and responsibility to be a prisoner than anything he ever undertook, that Tom, 
most lost all patience with him, and said he was just loaded in down, with more gaudier chances than a prisoner ever had in the world to make a name for himself. And yet he didn't know enough to appreciate them, and they was just about wasted on him. So Jim, he was sorry, and said he wouldn't behave so no more, and then me and Tom shoved for bed. End of chapter 38